0: Good morning. Uh, big thanks to the Fifth Sunday worship team. Especially their newest member, Linda, on vocal harmonies. That's very nice. We're thrilled to have them with us and uh, grateful for their ministry. Uh, it's been, been a long time you guys have been doing this, and we're, we're grateful for it. Um, you know, oftentimes when somebody says, it's been a long time you've been doing this, the next thing is not, you know, and we're really glad <clears throat> um, speaking of things we've been doing for a long time, as you know, um, New Hope, for uh, most of our time uh, when we were at Stone Chapel, uh, supported the ministry of the Community Crisis Center in Reisterstown. Um, I'm in uniform today because this afternoon I have to go to a, a, uh, a farewell event for their executive director, at Hartman. Um, recognizing his service to that ministry. Um, it's a ministry we were actively involved in. Our lead elder, Kevin Jones, uh, uh, headed up their board for uh, a number of years. While we were there, we supported them financially and also um, by uh, collecting food and by having volunteers. And some of our folks uh, continue to be involved there uh, individually or, or in house churches, which, uh, which is great. Um, because our, we've moved our worship space down to Catonsville, Uh, We thought it was appropriate that we begin a relationship with Catonsville Emergency Assistance. And as Joe announced, um, I believe at our last family meeting, um, we are, uh, we've begun, uh, at the beginning of the year, we began collecting food for CEA, and our financial support is going to transfer over from Catonsville, or from the Community Crisis Center in Reisterstown to Catonsville Emergency Assistance in the new fiscal year in July. Um... And uh, uh, we're, we've already uh, also begun having uh, folks volunteer over at CEA. Uh, the next big event, of course, is the yard sale on the 20th. Becky is uh, captaining the ship on that one. And, uh, and just uh, as by way of reminder, we, where we really need folks for that is, is early in the morning and then in the afternoon to clean up. Um, so, uh, and I found out this morning Liz Hale is going to be bringing breakfast sandwiches. So it's not just donuts. You're going to actually get, like, real breakfast. So if you can help out, please please do that. But uh, we're grateful for the, this new relationship that we have with the folks at, at CEA. And, um, uh, you know, a, an element of that, that that you all may not see, that you, we should make sure you're aware of, is um, during the week uh, a lot of people will either come to the church or they'll call the church asking for help. Um, and uh, it's very important that we be able to refer them to a ministry that can help them without hurting them. Um, it's, uh, it's actually the, the CEA and the Crisis Center in Reisterstown, for that matter, both started um, because churches in the area uh, were, were facing a situation where people would come and they would kind of go from one church to the next with the same story, um, and, uh, and, and the churches realized, you know, we're, we may be enabling people in behavior that's, that's not helping them, or our community, um, and, uh, and we really want to make sure that there's a place we can trust where we can send them where they can receive the, the help and be directed to uh, the help that they, can, uh, that they need at that time. So uh, CEA does that for folks in this area. Um, usually the way these places work is you have to sort of live within a certain area because uh, they can only help so many people. Um, so that's one of the main reasons that we've uh, also transferred our support. And if you have any questions about that, you can always talk to, to Joe or to me. Uh, But please do pray in gratitude for Ed Hartman and for uh, his ministry. Kevin can talk to you about uh, the dramatic um, improvements to the ministry that he was able to bring when he came in. So this morning, we are uh, in 1 Corinthians 15, beginning in verse 12, where Paul says, But if it is preached that Christ has been raised from the dead how can there be some who say there is no resurrection of the dead? If Christ is preached as having been raised from the dead, how on earth can there be anybody saying that there is no resurrection of the dead? Well, there's a real simple answer to that, Paul, because dead things stay dead. I mean, you know, we've advanced in science and in in medical knowledge in the last 2,000 years quite a bit, but even back in the mid-first century, people knew that dead things tend to stay that way, right? This is why it was a remarkable thing when Jesus Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead right cuz Lazarus was dead Lazarus was not only stone dead Lazarus was stinky dead Lazarus had been in the tomb for 4 days when Jesus came to resurrect him and he said when he said roll away the stone they're like that's not a really good idea Lit in, the, in the King James it translates uh, lord he stinketh and he would have I mean we're talking a uh, we're talking a very warm climate enclosed space and a dead body but, in fact, when Jesus said, Lazarus, come out, he did. Which made all kinds of people amazed and made Jesus' opponents very unhappy. In fact, when he raised Lazarus from the dead, they started figuring out ways to kill Jesus. Now, people, the, the reason that this whole resurrection thing was a tough thing Pill to swallow is that people knew that when things die, they stay dead. I mean, in, now in in the Jewish understanding that was uh, present in the first century, uh, you you had some people like Sadducees, and they were kind of the establishment religious types who said, "Yeah, there's there's no resurrection. That's you know you're 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 dead. That's it. Game over." Pharisees. And, uh, and that kind of became the, the dominant mode of thinking. Um, Jesus certainly would have agreed with them that, no, God promised resurrection. I mean, at, at the end of Daniel, Daniel says, look, the, the day's going to come when everybody's going to be raised from the dead, good and evil, and, and some will be raised to judgment and some will be raised to everlasting delights, but, but everybody gets raised on the last day. And there was a, a broader sense of, of the resurrection as something that was going to be something enjoyed and, and specially understood and, and celebrated by God's people, right? So in that Lazarus story, when Jesus comes and his, his sisters, Mary and Martha, it's like they've been kind of conspiring to get the same story because they say the same thing to him. They say, Lord, if you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. And he says, look, your brother will rise again. And they're like, I I know he's going to rise again. I mean, I went to, you know, Sabbath school. I know that there's going to be the resurrection on the last day and Israel will be corporately resurrected and that's all going to be great, but right now I'm mourning the loss of my brother. Jesus is like, no, actually, no, he's going to rise again. Shortly watch this. But there was a sense that, yes, that at some point this great resurrection is going to happen. In fact, the, the resurrection happening was understood to be a sign that, that Messiah had actually come, right? So Messiah is supposed to in, in, make sure that Israel is no longer under the thumb of these Roman uh, uh, foreign powers dominating them, in this case, the Roman Empire. He's supposed to make sure that that. God's people are raised again from the dead and, and these things hadn't happened. So folks were confused. And, and you, you see this in these resurrection stories at the end of the Gospels. One of my favorites is, is in Luke 24, the Emmaus Road story. There are a couple of disciples going to a village called Emmaus about seven miles away from Jerusalem. They were walking from Jerusalem to Emmaus. We don't Know anything about the disciples except that one of them is named Cleopas and the other one isn't uh, and we also know that they're not a- among the original twelve uh, because uh, well for one, Judas has hanged himself by this point and uh, and then at the end of the story we find out they go back and uh, talk to the to the remaining eleven, but they're walking and they're talking with each other about all the things that had happened and as they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them, but they were kept from recognizing him. So Jesus, is, who's resurrected, and like we kind of get the inside scoop, because the narrator tells us this is Jesus walking with them, but they were kept from recognizing him. And he asked them, what are you talking about? What, what are you talking about? Tell me, what are you talking about? So Jesus becomes like the annoying kid that tries to barge in on your conversation. And they stood still, their faces downcast. One of them, Cleopas, asked him, Are are you you new to town? I mean, you don't know all that's been going on? What things, he asked. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. "He, He was a prophet, mighty in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. We, we were sure that he was Messiah. We were sure he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. He had been a prophet, he spoke these mighty truths, he was powerful in, in his. In the, the, the deeds he performed. But the leaders of our people conspired with the foreign oppressors to put him to death. Not just death, they crucified him, which is a really hard way to go. Humiliating, painful. But here's the thing. All this happened three days ago. But some of our women said something that, that astonished us. They, they went to the tomb early this morning, but they didn't find his body. And they came and they told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. And then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, although they didn't see him. In other words, we can't figure out what happened. Because we know, of course, that dead things stay dead. And if you take a body, you put him in a tomb, he's going to stay there, right? And Jesus, with Jesus' typical Pastoral sensitivity and grace says to them, Oh, how foolish you are! And slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Didn't Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter His glory? And and beginning with Moses and all the prophets, He explained to them what was said in the Scriptures concerning Himself. So you, you say he was a prophet, you say he was mighty in word and deed. Yeah, you, 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 know, you might also remember that this prophet told you that this was going to happen, that he was going to be handed over to death and he was going to rise again three days later. But he wasn't the only one. You look all the way back in Torah, look in the prophets, basically you know, he, he has this you know, Bible study out of the Old Testament with him explaining all that was said in the scriptures concerning himself no that this is all jesus tells them in in absolute rad, radical continuity with the story that god has been telling all along and so as they approached the village to which they were going jesus acted as if he was going to keep going but they urged him strongly stay with us for it is nearly evening the day is almost over so he went in to stay with him and when he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. And then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him. And then he disappeared from their sight. And they asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us? Well, he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us. And then they got up and they ran back to Jerusalem. They found the eleven there and those with them assembled together. And the people there were saying, yes, it's true. The Lord has risen. He appeared to Simon. And then the two from the Emmaus Road told what had happened on the way and how Jesus was revealed, was recognized by them in the breaking of the bread. See, this story, like the other stories in the gospel, involve people who are trying to wrap their heads around something that's completely unexpected, even though Jesus did say this was going to happen, even though the law and the prophets pointed to this. This resurrection thing was, was huge. This resurrection thing was entirely unexpected because, after all, we know that that can't happen. I think that's why the, the language of the resurrection accounts in the Gospels just gives that sense of, of uncertainty, of, of bewilderment, of, of puzzlement. There, there's, there's something going on here that we absolutely can't explain. And there are today, as there have been for 2,000 years, people who say, well, this whole thing is clearly not true because we know that dead things stay dead. It seems that in Corinth, there were some who were saying this. Paul says if it is preached that Christ has been raised from the dead, then how can you say that there's no resurrection of the dead? Right? If Christ is preached as having been raised from the dead, If the true story that we have to tell about Christ is that he was raised from the dead, then how can anybody be saying that resurrection doesn't happen? Because if there's no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. If if nobody can be resurrected, well, that would include Jesus. And, and, And if Jesus hasn't been raised, if Messiah is still moldering in a tomb someplace, then our preaching, this message that I'm bringing, is empty. It's useless. As is your faith. And what's more, we are then found to be false witnesses about God because we've been testifying that God raised Christ from the dead, but... He couldn't have done that if, in fact, it's impossible for the dead to be raised. And if the dead aren't raised, then Christ hasn't been raised either. And if Christ hasn't been raised, your faith is futile. You're still in your sins. If Christ isn't raised. He was just one more... Jewish revolutionary who got what was coming to him. If Christ isn't raised. We would never have heard about him. if Christ wasn't raised. And those people who've fallen asleep in Christ, our friends, our brothers and sisters who died, that, that's it. It's game over for them. Their story's done. If only for this life we have hope in Christ. Were to be pitied more than all men. Now, there's, there's always been this temptation to say, because I can't understand it, it won't be true. Because I can't understand how God could raise Jesus from the dead, then I'm just not going to believe it. And Paul, characteristically. Takes that idea, and he doesn't talk about what a wonderful thing it is that we have such rich theological diversity in the Christian movement. He says, "If you believe that, then this is a complete waste of time. All this, all this. Think of all the time and money that was spent to build places like this." people whose blood has been spilled in Christ's name, the beatings, the imprisonments that Paul suffered, all the nonsense he had to deal with, not least having to put up with this church at Corinth that gave him an ulcers, then all that is a complete waste of time if Jesus is not raised from the dead. In a lot of ways, there is something fundamental to a particular approach to Jesus that we find in theological movements, we find in scholarly perspectives today that is fundamentally based on this idea that Jesus is still dead, that he, he cannot have been raised from the dead, so he must be still dead. And so you even get uh, some unintended irony sometimes. There's a, a book written back in the 80s by a religion professor called The Gospel of the Beloved Disciple. He sort of made up a story about Jesus from the perspective of the beloved disciple in John's Gospel. Like so many of these other efforts, creating a Jesus that looked a lot like himself on a good day. It was blurbed on the back by a man named Robert Funk, who was an outstanding grammarian. His his, uh, work in Greek grammar is still uh, a solid resource, but he was a leader of the Jesus Seminar. Anybody remember the Jesus Seminar? They were really big about 20 years ago. It was a bunch of scholars who would get together and they would... Kind of read through the Gospels, and they decide which things they thought Jesus really did, which things they thought he really said, and they used to they used to vote with different colored uh, marbles or pebbles or something. So, so in their in their versions of the Gospels, you know, you have the the um, things that are in red that they're really sure he said, and there are not a lot of those, and and there are the ones in pink where they think he probably said that or something like that. There's the, the stuff in gray that they really don't think he said, and then a lot of stuff in black that they're sure didn't happen. This, uh, and certainly among the things they're sure didn't happen is him rising from the dead, is the tomb being empty. So Funk blurbs on the back of this book. Again, this is a book from the 80s. It says, this guy has, Dr. Kars, has created a new gospel that breathes fresh life into the Jesus tradition. It may even bring the sage of Nazareth back to life. (laughs) God did that 2,000 years before him. We don't need some religious professor at NYU to bring Jesus back to life because God already did that through the working of his mighty power. and He didn't wait until the 1980s to do it. He certainly didn't do it through somebody making up a new gospel because he wasn't satisfied with the ones that were already there. He did it to validate the things that Jesus said concerning himself and what he was here to do. God raised Jesus from the dead and this is of first importance. Beginning of chapter 15. In 1 Corinthians, Paul says, I I want to remind you, the gospel is the gospel I preached, which you received, on which you've taken your stand, by which you are saved if you hold to it. Otherwise, if you believe in something else, then you are believing in nothing. Then whatever you believe in is not worth believing, not, not worth trusting. Now what I received I pass on to you as of first importance that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that He was buried, and that He was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures. That's the core of it. And Paul goes on to mention the people that Jesus appeared to as a validation of this. That, that Jesus actually physically is alive, that He was dead and now is not, is core to our faith. It is a non-negotiable of the Christian faith that Jesus is Lord, that he died for our sins and was raised by the Father. This is not a cafeteria option where you pick one or two of those that you might like. They all hold together. That's why Paul goes to so much trouble pointing out all the people that Jesus has appeared to. He said, you know, remember, he, he appeared to Peter, he appeared to the Twelve, he, he appeared to, to like 500 people. I mean, some of them are, are dead, but most of them are still around. You want to talk to somebody who saw the risen Lord, in when Paul's writing this, somewhere around the 50s, Paul's saying, you, you can find them. They're around. He appeared to me as well, Paul says, as to one Abnormally born, I'm the least of the apostles. But, by God's grace, I have this gig. God's doing whatever he's doing through me. But whether it's these other apostles, whether it's Peter or Apollos, uh, or or, uh, any of the other folks, James, doesn't matter. They're preaching the same thing I'm preaching, which is that Jesus Christ is risen from the dead. Hallelujah. That's key. If you let go of that, Paul says, we are the most miserable SOBs on the planet. Otis Redding's got nothing on me, is Mr. Pitiful, Paul's saying. We are absolutely wasting our time here if Jesus is not risen from the dead. It is a lovely day. There are so many better things you could do with your time. Pretty much anything is a better thing to do with your time than be in church if Jesus is not risen from the dead. Right? Tragically, there are times when, even though Jesus is risen from the dead, you feel like anything you could do would be better than being in church. But if Jesus didn't rise from the dead, this is all just a farce. but but Christ has indeed been raised from the dead the first fruits of them that sleep amen let's pray and god we do confess That by the mighty working of your Holy Spirit you raised our Lord Jesus Christ from the dead. That after providing purification for sins he ascended from the dead and he ascended to heaven and he sits at your right hand. We confess with the church throughout the ages That we believe in the resurrection of the body. And even though we don't understand exactly how you could do that, in many ways, especially because we don't understand how you can do that, we nevertheless profess our trust and our faith, and our confidence in you. In doing so, we join in with two millennia of perplexed followers of Jesus who are astonished by your ways. We are saved by your grace. pray that we would always hold faithfully to those things that are of first importance. In Christ's name, Amen.